Hi everyone, welcome to Better Homes and Dungeons, early morning edition, where I've got up at the crack of way too early in the morning to speak to someone who whose work is obscenely cool and I really like following on Twitter. Um, my friend, who are you and, and, and what do you do? Hello everybody, my name is Leonie, I'm also known around the interwebs as Gloss and Gadgets, and um, I've been around the D&D TTRPG community for six years now, I keep I kept saying four a while ago, but then I actually, you know, did the counting on my fingers and realised that it's not uh, four years, it's actually six, so I've just completely skipped two years, but since time has no meaning anymore, I think that will make sense. I am the producer for the Into the Motherlands podcast, I am also the showrunner and producer for Goldheart Group, which is a TTRPG Twitch stream show, um, and uh, you know, just, just for my day job, I am also a developer um, for video games. That's really cool, I, I didn't know about the video game stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I usually keep that quite close to my chest because sometimes you get fans that come to you and they're like, oh, is there any news about so-and-so game? And I'm just like, NDAs, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. But yes, I've been a game dev um, since 2015. Um, I used to work for 505 Games and I worked on several um, titles there. Um, I'm now freelancing. Um, one studio that I can t definitely say that I work with is Black Forest Games that did the Destroy All Humans remake. And if you oh, cool. played that game and you looked at the newspapers, I wrote those. So <laughs> that's, that's the one really thing cool. I can say I did. Thank you. That's really cool. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's a yeah. Sorry, my mind is slightly blown at the moment. Okay. Um. So it's it's lovely to have you on. Um, thank you very, very much. Um, uh, I now to to begin every one of these things, we always talk about one of the you know to get our heads in the game design space. We always talk about um, a a thing from the things we think about games um, book that is not with me at the moment. But um, so this this one originally I didn't want to do it, um, and then I realized no, Joshua. This is when fate has given you the perfect person to talk to about this. Uh, now, what it says exactly is, try playing that new board game in public. I'm just going to say game in public. Um, originally, I didn't think much of this. And then I thought, no, Joshua, wait. A, you make a, an actual play podcast, which is a form of playing in public. Um, because your game's available to a public bunch of people, but you're speaking to a producer and a showrunner about TTRPGs being played in a public forum. That's perfect. Um, so, Glossy, yeah, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on playing our game, like playing games like, you know, Dungeons & Dragons, uh, Call of Cthulhu, etc., etc., um, playing those in public. Do, do you think okay. it's different to playing just at, at a private table? I mean, yes, 100%. Um, 
so my introduction to D&D happened at work. We actually had a board games night, which happened every Thursday after work. And they started playing Dungeons and Dragons uh, because they were inspired by Critical Role. And I used to sit behind the QA department and one of the QA girls was playing with them. And they were telling the epic stories about what happened when they went into a cave. They were playing Minds of Pan Devla, I think, um, if my memory serves me. And um, they were telling their epic stories about how everything went terrible. And I just very quietly said, oh, I wish I could play D&D because... Up until that point, I, you know, I had one TTRPG, uh, TTRPG book that was my father's, um, which was RuneQuest, Land of Ninja. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so it was ancient. It was like from the 80s. Um, and I, I had this book because um, at the time I loved anime. Oh, you've got the Dungeon Master's Guide. <laughs> yes, I, I <laughs> have the, 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 the original um, AD&D and the player nice. handbook too. Nice. Yeah, so I had beautiful. <laughs> so I had um, this book, and I, I at the time when I was very young, I, I loved this book because I was I loved Japan and anime, and that's like where the thing that I grew up um, adoring. And I had this book, but obviously I opened it up, and it was like roll d d thirty six to get your soul coins and i'm like i don't understand any of this so i could never play it um but you know obviously D was all in popular culture and and you know i had books you know i read the drist books before i even played rolled a single dice in D and um and so that someone must have heard me like whisper this tiny little wish because the next thing i knew the dm was just like right next to me and it was like so i hear you want to play D D." We just got paid. Get on Amazon. And we bought a dice set and the player handbook and then the rest was history. So that was like my first experience of playing at a table. But um, I actually got made redundant from that job. Everyone else was also moving on to other jobs. Um, so we moved our game online and it was just like a Skype call just playing. No one was watching. And then it ended up being, uh, being streamed. We decided to stream it just for just for giggles. And back then, I probably would have said, no, there's no difference of playing at a table or online or on a stream. But as this weird career has unfolded in front of me and I've started producing shows, uh, which is different than playing a game, uh, a game and a show are two different, very, very mm. things. There is a lot more work because when you're playing a game, you're playing for yourself and you're playing for the shenanigans. When you're playing in public, you're playing for an audience. And especially when you're a Twitch show and there's things like money involved and viewership and things like that, you become very, very self-aware on who's watching, when they're watching, why they're watching, when they're leaving. Um, and so you end up catering for the audience that comes around you and then obviously word of mouth spreads and you grow bigger. So there is definitely a, a difference from playing a game to playing a show. I mean, you can definitely play a game online and stream it if you want to, because there's no wrong way to stream, just like there's no wrong way to play. But um, if you if you know if you want to turn this into a career, you stream a show, and the show gets popular, and and that's what Critical Role is. Critical Role isn't a game; it's a show, and it's a very entertaining show, according to to lots and lots of people. I I will confess. Um... I I thought, oh, okay, this critical role thing, that sounds like 
a good fun thing to get into. And the second I saw that many people at the table, I thought, no, my brain cannot do this. It looks lovely. I, yeah. It looks great. I, I'm so glad I, you all I have too. something you love. Yeah, I too don't watch Critical Role because I find it very chaotic, but I still, as a producer, you know, I've tuned into a couple of episodes now and then just to have a look. And as a producer, to manage that many people on screen is is a lot of work, and um, I commend the team behind them that do all that work to make it all cohesive because it is a lot of people. I personally wouldn't have that many people on my shows. <laughs> it's far too I, many voices. I, I, I personally would never have that many people at my table. I'd be like, I, I can't give all of you time. Like I, I've got a, um, at the moment I'm running a, a table of Burnbright for my 10 year old and my five year old and like four or five of their friends and siblings and it's like, this is too many kids. I'm never running anything with this many kids again. We, we've had to bring in the shh rule. Like, mm, sorry, people who who aren't watching, which is all of you, um, can't see me putting my, my finger to my lips in the same way all of our kindergarten teachers did. Like, hmm, everyone, everyone, what do we do when someone else is talking? We listen, that's right. So it's very primary school teacher. Um, yeah. No, I think I think that is a point. And um, as I was kind of thinking about this topic, I also thought the difference also between, say, playing in a way that's going to be publicly digested, shall we say, um, and not publicly digested, is I feel I feel far, far more comfortable in my not broadcasted or recorded or listened to games to play around with stuff, to kind of figure out how to how to stuff, essentially. Like, there are some characters to portray that it's like, look, I can't do this publicly because I do not have the confidence in myself to do it right. It, given that you produce a lot of, of content and, you know, you've, you've been in streams and whatnot, I, I, actually, I've done two streams, my goodness. Um... Would you have any advice there for people, like how to develop that? Um, to plan, plan ahead. Um, there is an improv. So I, I tend to knock a lot of improv out of TTRPGs because improv and TTRPGs are not the same thing, despite what everyone says. <laughs> despite what everyone says, TTRPGs and improv are not the same. Um, but there is something in improv that is very, very valuable called the skeleton script, where you just kind of lay out, okay, these are what I want to hit today. Does anyone else want to do anything? Oh, you know what? I want to go speak to that one NPC. I want a scene between so and so and so and so. And just knocking out a skeleton script of what mm. you want to do helps you basically manage your time because um, streams don't last forever. And back in the day, I used to do four to five hour streams. I can't do those anymore. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting old now. So they're now down to like two to three hours, which is much more manageable. But for everyone to have a turn and to obviously progress the story in two to three hours, you've got to be really, really on point for how those story beats are hit. Um, you can still play around and do stuff and like figure out mechanics. Like I do remember a 12 hour charity stream I did. Um, we had this mad moment where the wizard wanted to use a gravity spell on a gravity dragon. 
and we all just sat there we were like wait how does that math and then like part of the stream was us just like manically trying to figure out how this spell would work even the dm and it was possibly one of the greatest moments so i i would say don't be afraid but then you know we were also really really sleep deprived because we were like wide range of we had someone in new zealand we had me we had someone in germany we had me in england we had someone in canada we had several americans we were like across the globe for this charity stream and we were all heavily sleep deprived um it was chaotic so we were all like deliriously sleepy and exhausted and yeah and, and then we were figuring out how to how to do this um this gravity spell on a gravity dragon and what that would actually mean um <laughs> so you can you can still do it um the thing that makes good shows is that the fact that you're having fun you can pretend to have fun but that doesn't necessarily mean a good show uh, you know it doesn't matter if the show is silly or dramatic or serious as long as the players are having fun and they don't look bored the audience too will have fun and and won't be bored. So, I wouldn't. I would say to someone that is afraid of getting it right, just get it wrong because it's fun when you get it wrong. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, I, I'm also thinking, for example, like when playing through with certain themes. Um, for for me, I I find that easier to work out in private as well. Like, okay, if we're looking, you know. I have a couple of basic rules whenever I run a game, which is, okay, like, no gratuitous harm of child, no sexual assault, that's wrong. Um, that's... No! God! Um, I, I think, though, like, with my... And, and this is something I've noticed, like, like you said uh, earlier, self-awareness is very different um, when playing publicly or privately. My, my public self-awareness is... It, it's a far more... It's a far stronger detector, I guess, of my own bullshit. Um, sorry, I should have said before. Feel free to swear; it's it's great. Go for it. Um, this is this is Australian PG, so it goes all the way up to like really naughty words. Um, although you're British, so I guess. Yeah. Um, Isn't it the same? Mm, <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, yeah. Let, let, let me just say, um, if you ever if you ever watched um the thick of it, a notch or two down from there. Okay, yes, that does make sense. Yeah. Sorry, I like Armando Inochi's work. I, it's good stuff. Um, you know, but there, there are certain things that I would not attempt to broach in a, um, in a public game. Because I think, look, my, 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 my nuance and understanding of some things is nowhere near good enough. Um, in a public, in a private game, sorry, I might play with that to say, okay, well, how does working with this feel? And I kind of had the, uh, you know, the, the, I guess the, um, the, the inside brain discussion of, but would it be valuable for people to see someone stumbling their way forwards rather than just see the end process of me learning how to nuance difficult things? And, and I thought this would be, Part of me thought, Josh, that's a great question to ask someone whose life experience is really different to yours. <laughs> so I can I actually have an example for this. Um the Waterdeep game that I used to run. Um, you know, I'm I'm a black woman. Um, that's my life experience. And 
I was playing a drow. I wasn't just playing any drow. I was playing a drow paladin of Illustrae. And I wanted to do this particular character for several reasons. One, just to unyuck the drow <laughs> from from all the wizards stuff. I'm just going to call it stuff because I think my brain just kind of shorted a little bit trying to figure out the right word to describe it. But also I wanted to change their destiny because it is a shared experience among many people that the drow are, are coded people of colour. And I can relate to some things, which is why I really wanted to play this character. And so my DM was white. Hmm. We had stumbling blocks. We had, we had um, not issues. I'm not going to call them issues, but we had stumbling blocks. We had lessons to be learned. But the DM always made space to hear about those lessons because he knew that this story was super important to me. He understood that me being visible telling this story was important. And actually some of our audience members who ended up watching the show would come in and actually were also people of colour and actually would see themselves in this storyline. So while it was a a difficult storyline to do, it mattered to our audience. And so I would say, as long as you trust the person that you're doing this difficult storyline with, as long as everyone agrees and everyone's on board and the communication flows really well communication is super important especially when you're doing something super heavy then you can you know the sky's the limit you don't necessarily always need to do happy kooky fun uh water deep dragon heist was like one of our golden gem shows it was the one that made the most money it was the one that had the most viewership and it did because because we were tackling those hard questions and and those difficult conversations and the team were always so supportive about how we went about it. It was a shame it came to the end of the at the end of it, but it I, I'm still really proud of the story I got to tell. That is cool. That that, that is that is extremely cool. It, it's great that you had a dungeon master who said, "Okay, well, look, I might be the dungeon master, but it doesn't mean I'm in charge of everything." It's it's really cool. They gave you space. And and it's yeah. really cool that people engaged with that as well. Yeah, it was a, yeah. it was a beautiful moment. I'm I'm really proud of the story that I ended up telling in in Waterdeep. Uh, sorry that that is a far that's an excellent answer. Thank you. Like <laughs> kind of mentally blown away now because that's that's really lovely. Um, sorry. You know those moments where it's just way too early in the morning and your brain's like. Wow, that was actually perfect. I, I, there's nothing to add there. No notes. Gosh darn. What do we do now? Do we go? Sorry. Um, I, I, I'd love to. I guess also ask. I mean, you do a lot of streaming. What, what is your way of? I guess. How do you maintain a public persona? I guess, and then like you know, how how different is your public persona gloss to your? I'm just playing at a table with my friends gloss. Or Leone, um, sorry. <laughs> oh, that's a very good. That's a very good question. Um, oh, 
I'm going to have to think about that. So I would say that the people that I play with now, they're, they're not strangers. They are people that I've been playing with for many years. They are my friends. I've had the pleasure of meeting some of them in real life. They've been to my house. We've had dinner together. Um, and so, yeah, so they are my trusted advisors. They are my friends. They are my shoulders to cry on. They They know me, like actual me, like complete mess somewhat goofy falls over their own feet leone i think my public persona is that because i have this very posh accent is that i'm a bit prissy i'm a bit noble i'm a little bit of a villain and i play into that um being this you know (laughs) this prissy noble paladin that wouldn't wouldn't smite you if you were on fire um but who i am online and who i am in person are completely different and it's really important especially since i'm a freelancer and i work at home i have my space for work and i have my space for rest and just like streaming i have my online person like today i'm probably coming across really happy and really perky but in real life you know i'm I'm having quite a sad day i'm being quite a sad leone but you can just turn it on and off and i think having that separation is important especially when you're in the public eye and that's kind of something that i learned from um being a community manager for games is because consumers don't necessarily see you as as a as a real living person you know they're angry at the game so they will lash out at you um and the only thing that kind of makes that manageable in community management without you burning out hard or, or, or you know, <laughs> feeling really down um, from from all the hate that you get because your game has a bug in it um, is by creating an online persona that is completely separate for you so that when you go home and you're with your partner or your family or your friends, that they get you and you can be yourself with them. And then having that line there is, is important. It, I mean, a lot of people, like, you, you know, Tanya DePass, Cypher of Tear, talks a lot about boundaries. There was that great talk about parasocial relationships. That mm. line is super, super important. And it's important not to cross as well. Yeah, I, I, I think parasocial relationships are... Um, the, the, there's an old story that people used to put, uh, like, diet... Um, something in like uh, like diet cordial or something in like hummingbird feeders and the problem is hummingbirds actually need the sugar and so like you know they, they were just dying because they were just consuming essentially empty calories um and in in some ways this the, the parasocial relationship thing kind of feels like that it's like you're consuming something but you're not necessarily consuming something that's gonna give you the energy you need to go on but that's a potential thing for josh to talk about in somewhere else um sorry i'm planning another podcast thing at some point so that'll be fun to do and kill myself doing um (laughs) but but i do agree like the for me like you know the separation of say it's kind of like working from home in some ways and you've got to have that separate separation of what i call you know church and state yeah. <laughs> which one's which, Josh? Both of those are terrible answers. Um, and I mean, look, I, I'm in a. I mean, my professional life is one that I never really talk about. Um, you know, at all. You know, suffice to say, I am in. You know, corporate sales and customer service kind of thing. So you know, the the professional Josh that a lot of people see. Um, 
is not the Josh that a lot of people have experienced, um, you know, at church or at um, any social thing I go to when they have seen me just like, you know, slowly retreat into the background Homer Simpson going into a hedge style. Um, so I do, I do understand, like, you've got to have your, you know, this is my public face and this is my no, actually, please don't face. But no, I, I, I do understand where, where that all comes from. And I, I, I would say from, from like self-awareness, like, yes, when I'm playing Josh the Dungeon Master or Josh the character who always has a hat and a cowboy hat and a long coat because those are cool. Shut up, Tyler. Um, <laughs> I know what you mean. Because I think we all do it also. Like, when we come to the table, it's, it's a different social thing. Completely. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to try imagining the different... Like, because we don't stream because I'm a twit and I can't figure anything out. And also I record at work. So, you know, no one wants to see <laughs> me in a corporate getup. That's not fun. Um, uh, another thing I guess I'd ask is, you know, when you're getting ready for a stream or when you're getting ready to play a character... What are your ways of getting into that character's mindset? Do you associate any particular pieces of jewelry or clothing with a character, or? Um. So, I haven't played character for a while. Been mostly producing, but when I did, I would actually, so I would also show run, which I don't recommend anyone doing. Get someone else <laughs> to show run. If you're DMing or you're being a player, don't show run. That's my, my that's my main lesson. I hope everyone takes away from this. But I would, I would actually start getting ready two hours beforehand, and that two hour beforehand would be a really slow getting ready. Like I would go have a shower or a bath, and then I would sit there for thirty minutes and just like naturally dry off. And then I would go do my makeup. And every character had their own distinctive makeup style whether it be a color or certain lipstick or glitter or, or whatever um and while i'm putting on this makeup i would be listening to playlists that i've made for them uh musics that make me feel like they would feel um and then the two hour clock would run up it would be showtime i should be ready and and i'm just in that mindset and i i'm, I'm ready to go um dungeon mastering is a little bit different i would still do some kind of face, like put some kind of makeup on, because you can't be a female streamer and turn up barefaced. People could be like, why do you look like death? <laughs> it's because I'm 33 years old, leave me alone. Um, <laughs> I remember being 33. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people think I'm in my 20s when I'm I'm all done up. Um, I remember in the Motherlands crew, because I was show running, but I was show running from, one, uh, from midnight until five in the morning. Um, I would just turn up in like a dressing gown. I'd have my hair scuffed back. I would be no makeup. I, I would glasses. I'd just be there to show them because I'm not on camera. No one needs to see me. I'm just running everything in the background, helping the cast out. And for the finale, I was going to be on camera. So we all joined the crew. I turned up hair, all styled, full face of makeup. And everyone was like, whoa you're out to snatch some souls. <laughs> and I was just like, no, no, it's just a shock because you've seen me for the past 11 weeks like a house gremlin. I am truly a house gremlin. This is just my public face. Please don't panic. 
please please calm down don't panic um <laughs> so I, I have so, yeah. i've never heard it said you're here to snatch some skulls but i think that is cool uh, uh, souls yes yeah, snatch some souls it's a oh souls right it's, skulls for a second. I apologize. it's a very american black proverb <laughs> okay yeah like you're, you're like you're here to to snatch some souls you're here to take names um so so yeah so it was a big shock for people um and so yeah so you know there is there is a process um and i like to take it very slowly i hate being in a rush um i do believe that when i started producing into the motherlands um uh, tanya de pass cipher of tear would see me join the call two hours in advance before call time <laughs> and she would be like what are you doing i'm like i'm just setting up they're like we've got a whole two hours i'm like yeah no I just, I just like to not rush and panic. If something goes wrong, it will go wrong now, and I'll have two hours to fix it. So, <laughs> I think Tanya got used to that um, as the weeks went on. But I did scare her a few times, thinking, "Oh my god, I've overslept" or something like that. Where I just joined the call early, and she got like a bing about it. That like Lost and Gadgets is in the chat room waiting for your meeting. <laughs> that that does sound like an outstandingly responsible person though and that's that is really cool like I, I i will confess like one of the other reasons i don't ever really try streaming is i i am more than semi-convinced my laptop or my setup will explode understandable like, understandable there was actually oh actually there was a, a moment last year we were i was actually going to be on a stream and i don't remember with who um Again, it's like, oh, wow, it's 20 to 6 a.m. here. Um, and it was that night my ISP decided, no, Joshua, you're not allowed to have fun. Oh, no. So it's <laughs> like, this is another reason I don't agree to do these things because the universe says no, Joshua. <laughs> I mean, I've invested a lot. Uh, I mean, when I first started streaming, I was running off a very medium-ranged $600 gaming PC. Um, that was my first PC. Um, and it wasn't great, but it was enough to stream and stream well. Um, and obviously, as time went on and I learned more, I've invested heavily. I went from one screen to three. You know, we got the GoXLR, we got the stream deck, we got the mic and the boom arm, the mixer, um, all the shinies and gadgets and whistles um so i do and you know business internet because we have to have a stable internet if you get a stream um so so i have invested over the years but you know i've been here six years i've been streaming for five um so it was a slow process and you know it was all paid for by my various jobs and income that i got just every now and then i would upgrade if something broke i would get a slightly better version and and so yeah so streaming is not something i would say someone should just dump into there's a lot of research that needs to go into it thankfully there are lots of resources out there um to help streamers you probably have to learn from someone who streams games streaming ttrpgs is slightly different um and and you know yes i am responsible i take it very seriously uh, producing it's it's something I, I really quite enjoy um even though you know you don't get any of the glory no one really wants to talk to the producer about how do you balance everyone's volume <laughs> 
I know you're gesturing to yourself and obviously no one can see that. But yeah. usually, or, quite usually, you know, people don't want to speak to the producer about, you know, what kind of graphics card do you have or what kind of CPU? Like, it's, it's all very boring, very technical. But um, I really, really enjoy it because when, you know, you're involved in the story still, even though you're not a player or the DM or anything like that. Um, but you also get to like enjoy the show just as a as an audience member mm. and kind of like crossing that line of being part of it and enjoying it is is quite amazing because you, you kind of know a little bit more than the audience does, but not too much. Um so so yeah, I really enjoy the producing and so I, I do, I take it quite seriously, which is why I invest in it because it's important to me that's cool i i think also there's that i guess level of um where you like the the, the area of responsibility also that you have with the players as well is like i know that my, my kind of take is ultimately the dungeon master is responsible for the well-being at the table um and this comes down to making sure everyone's cool everyone's in a good emotional place people are being heard and that you know, what is happening is good stuff. But I can imagine as a showrunner, there is an aspect to, okay, everyone, are we all right? Is this, you know, how are you feeling today? Does anyone need a cookie or a cup of tea or something? What um, would that be? I mean, it's good that you, you say that. I mean, producing Motherlands and producing Goldheart are two different fish because Tanya actually took over most of what I would normally do for Goldheart. So I kind of see, I kind of see how to put it. I kind of see like the producer role to be like the backup DM. We are extra eyes for safety. We are extra eyes for the audience. We are whether to manage the audience or the DM just has to concentrate on managing the players. Um, but we're there in case of, you know, issues, we can offer solutions. We can also be impartial. So, you know, if, if there is a problem in the, 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 the player DM dynamic, you can be a middleman between the, the two conflicting sources to help with conflict resolution because, you know, you sit out of it, you're outside of it, so you're not mm. necessarily involved with it. Um, you know, a, a good producer is like almost like the DM's wingman. So mm. you know, we're there to help, not hinder. Um, and and yeah, so that's kind of like how I would put it, the, 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 the DM wingman of, uh, of the show. But you're also, you know, an ally of the players. <laughs> yeah, look, they got it coming. They know what they did. <laughs> uh, I, I think that is a really cool one. I think, um, I, I think having an extra person there to, I mean, as, as part of, as you said, like, I'm there to, you know, for, from... <sighs> There we go, Josh. Reboot the brain. Um, it is kind of a position where I guess it's like, you know, I I am not you. I am not among you, but I am of you, kind of thing. And and if someone does need to step in and be the impartial third party or even Switzerland of of any kind of issue, that that's a that's a really cool position. Like that must you you must have some amazing tips on I guess people management. I mean. Before I gave up my, my corporate career, I was a marketing director, so I managed teams. Um, 
And then I decided to go freelance because the stress was slowly killing me. (laughs) Excuse me. So, so, you know, there have been instances where I see a player, they are on the screen, they don't look too happy. And, you know, the DM's doing their thing. The DM can only manage so much. And so I would check in. I would send a message to that player privately. Oh, my cat. Dizzy, please. Please excuse me. I need to go let my cat out. Otherwise, he'll continue to dinner. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Dizzy, I can murder you. Yes, you. Come on, then. See you later. I am so sorry about that. No, no, no problems. I, I also want to apologise for all those times I've had to hold the finger, mouth the word sorry, and then you want off screen. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, what was I saying? I'll just start again. So, yes, there have been instances where I, you know, I've seen someone on screen, they don't look very happy. And, you know, the DM can only do so much. They're already <laughs> managing um, the player, the game, expectations. They're trying to keep the story moving. They're trying to entertain the audience. They're trying to convey information. The check-in is, is might be a little bit difficult to do there in the moment. But with me there, I can just shoot that person a message and go, hey, are you okay? Is everything all right? Just checking in. Anything, anything good? And, and, you know... And I can be there to be that that extra backup. It's just taking the pressure off the DM. There are there's a lot of pressure on DMs to to provide all the entertainment. And the way that I see it is, the DM is the stage and the walk on parts, but the players are the actors. Um, and so if you kind of have that, then I guess the producer is the backstage manager. You know getting everyone changed in costume, making sure, you know, props are in the right place so people could just grab them as they run on stage, you know, making sure that someone's wig hasn't gone missing. That's the producer. Hmm. That is really cool. Um, I, I, I can just, uh, sorry, I just had like a little mental image of like, you know, you shooting someone a quick message, hey, are you okay? And like, you've got this like elaborate, like um, series of like innocuous looking gestures and things that to communicate without breaking like immersion or character or whatever. Yeah, I'm fine. It's like, are you okay? And the person does this, like, and that's the yeah. one. Like, yeah, 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 I'm good. You know. Yeah. So in my streams, we do have secret codes. I'm not going to disclose them, but yeah, oh, okay, we do okay. have secret cool. codes. But sometimes they just type back, yeah, I'm fine. You know, sometimes it's the secret code if they're really caught up. Um. So so yeah, we do we do do that as well, but. Um, yeah. Just having or, 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 or you have a code red because Gavin just scratched his beard when you asked, and you're like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> I would probably make sure to confirm. And like, do do you want me to red card this? Do you, do you want me to throw down the next card? Are we stopping? <laughs> or are you just itchy? <laughs> <laughs> we we've Problems luckily not had any moments like that. Yes, Pro- problems as a bearded man and <laughs> why beard scratching should never be your sign for I'm not okay. <laughs> no, we do we do subtle sing- finger uh, finger gestures, a bit like sign language, okay. um, cool. and sometimes we use dice. That's cool. Excellent. Um, Gloss, thank you so so much. Um, we we always have one question we kind of ask at the end of these things, which is um, 
and and feel free to say, Josh, I I'm not I don't want to answer this. That is perfectly okay. Um, how do you make sure that you're okay? <sighs> That's a question. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> that is a question. Um, how do you make sure that you're okay? Uh, go to therapy. Oops, sorry, that's... <laughs> Time to wake up. No, that's yeah, my but... alarm saying, Josh, make sure, like, I, okay, that was my alarm that I had set a few weeks ago or so to actually have this, and then I realized I had my time wrong, so, that's fun. <laughs> Josh is a dumbass. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, goodness. Um, therapy is very, very good. I recommend therapy for everyone. Everyone should have therapy. Um, also to make sure to have lots of breaks. I had this one mad summer where I was doing a show every day for four weeks and I burnt out hard. Oh God. Um, yeah, yeah. It was, it was rough. It was rough, but I did it. And then I had a very long break. I'm even on a break right now. Um, I haven't produced, I haven't streamed anything on my own personal channel, um, for a year. Um, because we're getting some stuff in order and we're, we're redoing some things um, and I've just been doing like little interviews and little uh, producing jobs and things like that excuse me and um, yep therapy is good self care is good and you know also make sure you have a support network around you I'm very blessed that I have very very good friends who are sometimes better at noticing I'm not okay before I I realise I'm not okay because I'm quite a workhorse. I, you know, I will work and work and work and work harder and work harder until I drop down dead. Um, <laughs> and, you know, my friends are very good at checking in and taking care of me. Um, so support network, therapy, support network and self-care uh, would be my tips to people making sure that they stay okay. Yeah, I, I, I had a week last week. That was, um, you know, when you get to the end of a, of, a, of a day or a week and you're just, your brain just hurts. It's not, I have a headache. It is, no, I burned. I, I call that hot brain. Yeah. It just, your brain feels like it's just hot and it's on fire. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like you burned all the nerve endings out for all your creative and emotional energy. Yeah. Yeah. I had that last week and I'm like. Why am I still doing stuff? I shouldn't be doing stuff. I should be not doing stuff. Yeah, so, so it, it's actually identifying the signs before that. Because if you can identify the signs before that, you can do some self-care, which will help you recharge. I think one thing we do as creatives is we're really hard on ourselves in terms of taking care of ourselves. We are so hard on ourselves because if we think, like if we stop for a second then it's all just going to be over and no one will remember us. I, I can tell you that's not a fact. I haven't streamed for a year. I'm still here, but I'm taking care of myself. So, you know, you could take as much time as you need to recharge, try and identify that pre-burnout feeling before you do. I a, a bubble bath does me wonders. Like sometimes you just need a bubble bath, candle, candles, and something really trashy to watch so that your brain, brain just switches off. Um, you know, sometimes it's just a good meal or a treat. Uh, it, it, you know, for my other half, who's a writer, it's a, you know a good run. I, I hate running. I'm I'm never gonna run, but you know it works for him, so that so that's good. Um, it's yeah, 
just identifying those symptoms beforehand and taking care of yourself. You have to take care of yourself. And if you're not good at that, find someone who's a really good friend to yell at you to take care of yourself because nothing makes you take care of yourself better than shame. (laughs) (laughs) The thing we're trying to avoid and yet... Yeah, the thing we're trying to avoid, and yet sometimes that's what you need. You need sometimes you need a drill sergeant to go, "Hey, you, <laughs> you sit down. You pick up that remote control. You watch Blown Away on Netflix." <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just, just get the guy from Full Metal Jacket into Gilly. Like <laughs> you put those feet up. Yeah, sometimes you just need to be yelled at. Yeah, it's if, if it's done with love and, and care, I think it's okay. Cool. Um, Leonie, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, I've I've looked forward to asking you so many questions for some time because I I can remember like watching your Twitter stuff and seeing so much very very cool like so so many very very cool images, and I just thought this this person has understanding. I do not. They know how to make stuff happen. I just know how to talk. Like that's my only thing that I got going for me. Um, Leonie, where where can people find you online? Uh, what what are your pluggables? Uh, my pluggables. So I guess you can find me on any social media at at Gloss and Gadgets um, because branding is a thing, and I am well branded. So if you're on a certain social media and you're like, "Hey, what is Gloss up to?" Just search Gloss and Gadgets, and I'm pretty much there. I think I even have a TikTok. It's got one video on it because um, I'm old now and I don't know how to use the TikToks. Um, but my very young friend said that they would teach me how to use the TikToks, so there might be more TikToks. We'll we'll see. Um, uh, and yes, I have my own website, um, which is currently being rebuilt um but it's um gold uh hyphen h dot art so it spells gold hearts uh, if you want to check that out see my portfolio see what kind of cool things i'm up to and then of course you can check out my twitch stream at gold heart gaming um on twitch that is very very cool um and yeah 33 old yeah i, I know Look, I think we all feel old after last year and into yeah. this year. Yeah, I'm, I turned 40 just... this year. That's, that's oh. the thing. Oh, the big four out. Nice. No, the reason why I just, I keep trying to reaffirm people my age is like a lot of people think I'm in my 20s and I'm, and I'm not. I, I just snuck into the 80s. I was born in 88. I'm 33 years old. Just going to say it one more time. I'm 33 years old. Um, I've been around the block. I'm not, I'm not like talented or, or you know exemplary skilled 20 year old or anything like that no i'm i'm old i've been around the book i used to be a marketing director i've had a career <laughs> you know now i'm freelance uh you know i'm getting married whenever lockdown ends thank you thank you i have three cats but in my house like <laughs> i'm an adult even though i like to pretend i'm not so Let's all just not pretend we're adults. Um, <laughs> and yeah, people, uh, I, I, of course, can be found at Nerdy People DMD because uh, I can't use ampersands on Twitter. Um, please do check out um, all the other interviews I've done. Um, and please do check out the actual play that we've got on the channel where I run people through Curse of Strahd, except it's a steampunk spaghetti western type thing and he's not a sex criminal. Because that's yeah. See, it, it's you're already like yeah. It actually sounds much better than Cassie no, 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 no. Strad. 
Good work. Mm, yeah, I'm quite um, interested. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Leonie, again, thank you for your time. No worries. Thank you for having me.